Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Hello and welcome to episode 414 of On the Corner, the official PitcherList.com podcast. I'm your host, Eric Samolski, joined by the madman himself, the person who gives himself way too much to do, Mr. Nick Pollock. What is happening? Yeah, uh, super excited to do this with you guys. I literally just finished the top 200. It's 18,000 words. It comes out at 9 a.m. Eastern time on Tuesday. It is done. I just need to edit it now. I don't want to push it out too soon considering this is going to last for like five months now. So, but it's done. I wrote blurbs on all 200. I didn't like skimp. I actually did it and it's a lot. So enjoy it. We're going to talk about it today. We are. Nick was Nick was publishing and saying five left, four left, yeah. three left. We were, <laughs> we were doing a full on, full on countdown. Yeah, I'm um, 15 minutes late to record with Eric. I felt so yeah. bad. So like we 30 are. minutes. Yeah. Yeah, that's okay. Well, I don't have anything going on. That's fine. <laughs> we uh, we're gonna keep going um, through our our top two hundred. Um, obviously, we covered uh, pitchers one through ten the first episode. So, just as a reminder to everybody, that was Garrett Cole, Spencer Strider, Zach Wheeler, Luis Castillo, Kevin Gossman, Pablo Lopez, Corbin Burns, Max Fried, Zach Gowan, and George Kirby. Um, right. So I changed in- it slightly. <laughs> okay. Okay. I mean, we talked about it during the podcast last time, right? That we, we adjusted. It's going to be a little fluid. Kevin Gosman. We in- increased uh, Corden Burns. So my top five is Cole Strider, Wheeler, Castillo, Burns right now. Hey, uh, I'm- that's exactly mine. I also jumped Burns from eight <laughs> up to five. Right. We talked about it last time. We that's did. what we were doing. We okay. Yeah. yeah. And um, and I imagine actually a lot of people from yesterday after watching Pablo Lopez on the national stage are going to be really encouraged by him. And I have met six and in our mock draft that we started, by the way, uh, Eric, uh, we didn't just start doing mock drafts like, hey, you guys heard this thing called a mock draft. No, we actually began doing ours uh, for the uh, the pitcherless staff um, this past week. 
Uh, and Pablo Lopez went later than I have him. And I almost, mm-hmm. I was literally one pick away in the fifth round uh, from getting Pablo. I was really upset about it. But um, but yeah, we, we saw even Aaron Nola go in the fourth round, uh, which is very yeah. interesting. Not, I don't know if we're going to, are we going to talk about Aaron Logan Webb today? I don't know. But anyway, six is Pablo Lopez, seven is Gosman, eight is George Kirby now, nine is Zach Gallen, and 10 is Max Fried. And, and that, I'm just going to tell you tier, right now. That is a, that is hear, a tier. Yeah, that is, that is a tier. It is the same 10 that we talked about last time, which is convenient and not at all how I did this. But you'll understand why Max Fried is at 10 when we begin doing 11 through 20 today. Yeah. So Nick Nick's six that he mentioned, the second five, begin a tier that will continue yes. into um, this starting with number 11. So just, you know, keep in mind that, um, again, it's September or it's October. You don't really care about, you know, what tier it is. But just keep in mind, obviously, yeah. that within the fl- the fluidity <laughs> of the rankings. Exactly. Um, I will say. My number, my number eleven is George Kirby, who we referenced before. You convinced me; I had him a little bit lower. Um, liked what I saw, so I bumped him up to eleven. Uh, but everybody's here to hear about your number eleven, who we also talked about we on talked the last, about last time a lot. I mean, th- this really 11, 12, 13, 14. Um, sorry, 10, 11, 12, 13. I've made as that injury ace tier for me uh, at the end of the second tier. These are the four guys that I just kind of consider as, look, Max Free, we know is the forearm strain. That's why I think he's going to get depressed a little bit. I actually do wonder if I will be lower on him in February because more information might come out on it. He then, again, then again, he did pitch, and then it was a blister, right? It was a hot spot. So the way I see it, as we talked about last week, Max Freed, really good ratios all the time. I think he has the potential to go 25%, if not higher on that strikeout rate. Atlanta, lots of wins, all that fun stuff. Okay, Tyler Glasnow. It, we had our debate about about injuries and in and uh, innings. You saw my tweet as well after the fact, um, and I wanted you to mention that really quickly because I know you wanted to bring it up for this podcast. I I, I didn't actually. I wasn't I wasn't planning to bring it up. I was going to keep my mouth shut on ha, uh, no. Tower Glass now Come since on. I talked over and over and over about him. Um, but yeah, what is I have to pull up the exact wording of the it was. Tweet. So I decided to. I do this every year with uh, Fantasy Pros ADP. You'll see inside the article. I go through and say, look, all these guys were drafted after 280. Actually, I think 290 is the mark I used this year, which is insane. So, yeah, they were not drafted in your standard 12-teamers, which is about 275. And then uh, and then also there's another grouping that is all the guys you picked up in season. You didn't want to have out of the draft, but you wanted to have, say, in June, July, August, who actually helped you out to just showcase how much turmoil or and burn and churn there should be in your rosters in season, because if you go into the draft expecting that you can really take more chances than I think a lot of people feel comfortable doing inside of their drafts. And so I posted noticing this, that of the top 31 in ADP last year in starting pitchers, 31, only 15 of them made at least 25 starts. Mm -hmm. And that was just kind of a note of saying, look, Guys get injured and it's weird. Now, I did not break down who those guys were. It was some of the ones that we expected, right? Like DeGrom and Scherzer and Verlander and these older guys, right? Um, there's Tyler Glass, of course, involved there and so on and so forth. Still, it does really give a lens to, yes, I need to get my anchor in my pitching rotation. It's like, no, you don't. Putting too much faith in that in your draft strategy, I feel, is just not... 
you know, it's hard to do. You can lose your team, you can lose your entire balance very quickly if you rely too heavily on one or two guys um, in those early rounds. So that's what that just goes into my whole draft strategy, why I do yeah. these ranks as I do. And just, you know, obviously this isn't a money draft, as Nick mentioned, it's a mock draft, but we are coming up on the ba- the end of the eighth round. Nick and I both have one starting pitcher. Yeah. So, um, so that that kind of is is telling you the way that we're both viewing this, which is if a value falls to you early, like for me, um, I snagged Zach Wheeler way later than I thought that he would be there. And so I was like, okay, I didn't feel like I need my anchor, like you said, but he was, he's my third starting pitcher. I think he was the sixth starting pitcher drafted. So I, I felt really good about that. And Nick and I are playing the waiting game right now, filling out the rotation because to the point that Nick just mentioned about there being that kind of depth of guys who may not, you know, um, guys who may not be the proverbial ace, but are mm-hmm. going to put up good production or going to, you know, maybe pitch more innings than the ace would or whatever it is. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of value because there's so many questions. Absolutely. And I think and that I, adds I, into you ranking glass now 11 and why yes. I had him in the top 10. And I went a little, I leaned a little more into, listen, if this is screwy, like I'm just going to take the guy I know is going to have, is going to throw really good innings when he's out there. You expressed some concern about the amount of innings he would throw, which I'm sure is baked into you ranking him 11. Right. So, uh, and by the way, guys, we're talking about this mock draft. We're going to have individual podcasts. I'm going to be talking about Eric's team specifically. Eric's going to be talking about my team specifically. It's going to be fun. Reverse that. It's fine. We're going to be each talking about our teams on separate podcasts for this uh, as we move on. Um, But just fun note is I took my first starter in the seventh round. Um, would have been Pablo Lopez in the fifth round. That was I was whew, I was hoping for that one, um, but uh, I got sniped right before by Adam Howe. But my seventh round first starting pitcher is my fourteenth pitcher, and we'll talk about him today. Will be mentioned but right today. with with Glasnow. Uh, I I kept waiting and waiting back and forth. Ultimately, I do think Max Free is going to pitch more innings, um, and mm-hmm. I I do also recognize that Glasnow is not destined to be that sub three ERA guy. Right. Uh, I think actually has over 40 right this year, given the end of the, the month, given the slider being bad again. So just something to point out there as well. Um, and the fastball gets hit harder than it should. Uh, so I'm just going to move past Glass now to 12. If that's all right, because we got two more injured guys. We got to do and, it. And, and they're not really injured guys. Only one is one isn't. But I feel as if they're both risks of how many innings we're actually going to get because mm-hmm. 13 is Freddie Peralta and 12 is Walker Bueller. And Bueller to me, when the late seventh, I almost went for him and I was kind of hoping to snag him uh, on the turn back because I thought he would get pushed down even further. I didn't think that my uh, my guy um, that I got in the seventh would. But Walker Bueller to me is, is your prototypical. He's come back from Tommy John. Uh, and once we see him pitch in February, he's going to just shoot up the ranks. Um, not to mention... Bueller is a free agent at the end of next year. The Dodgers, sure, they might be a little bit careful early on with Bueller. And maybe they might be a little bit in September just because they don't want to push him too far and they'll be in a postseason situation. I can absolutely see that. Also, I want to add how many of your pitchers really performed in September for you this year, right? Uh, The whole idea of, oh, no, I can't draft a guy because September he's not going to be there for me. Forget that. 
Okay, there may be other reasons why Bueller doesn't start in July that allows him to start in September. The guy that you're getting instead of Bueller might not be there in September too, right? So don't really plan for September, plan for the entirety of the year just as a whole. And I think that Walker Bueller is just going to be great. I don't know. Like he's come back from Tommy John. He would have pushed it further to start this year. They decided just to be played safe. Um, and generally we see guys of his caliber who return from Tommy John have a 250 to 300 inning honeymoon as long as the surgery was done correctly. Mm -hmm. um, we have seen that not happen before, but it seems like it was done correctly for, for Bueller. And yeah, I feel like Bueller is just going to be a very consistent, strong arm uh, for your teams. That's kind of hard to find once you get outside the top 15, top 20. So let me ask you, because so I have Peralta 12 and I have Bueller 14. Yeah, so okay. still within the same range. <laughs> I have Peralta right. higher. Part of it is my concern about Bueller's strikeout rate, which was going down prior to the injury too. I mean, it was, it was, it decreased in 2021. Yeah. The swinging strike rate um, also dropped pretty drastically from the years prior. Um, in 2021, he was down to 11.6% swing strike rate um, and then 11.7 prior to the injury in 2022. So my question to you is like, obviously, we still like him. We know we still think that he's a talented arm in a good team context, has kept the ratios low, yada, yada, yada. Are you at all concerned about that strikeout rate? Uh, do you think that we could get back to like 2019, 2020 Walker Bueller? Or do you think he's, you know, more of like a 26% K rate kind of guy? I mean, I'm, I'll take 2021 Bueller all day. I mean, <laughs> that was insane. That was a 16 and four record, 247 ERA, 0.97 whip with a 26% K rate. Honestly, I think he should have won the Cy Young that year, and I could not believe he wasn't even a finalist. Uh, it, it blew my mind. And then I'm in fine. I'll take Wheeler and his 270 ERA instead. But still, it was uh, that that was crazy to me. I think uh, Bueller was hurt in 2022. I remember doing a YouTube video about him and his. Uh, I believe it was a complete game shutout against the Diamondbacks that I watched all nine innings. And remember saying, this is not good Bueller. Like he, his fastball is not dominating like it should. His, the command of his secondaries is not nearly as uh, sharp as we saw in 2021. And I was saying, yeah, something's wrong. Something's up. And I remember all the comments hating me so much. Like he just hit a complete game shutout. I was like, clearly guys, I just watched the video with you. I know. Did you not see all the comments? And yeah, there was something wrong with him. So I'm very much willing to say, look, this guy went from a 6.5 hit per nine to a 9.3. Uh, he was throwing far worse pitches, had much more hard contact. And I imagine that now that he's healed and, and ready to go, that I'm expecting him to rebound and be more of that 2021. And that is just full, full production. While you have Freddie Peralta, who we all know how amazing of a second half he's had. This has always been the same. Um, uh, a pitchless supporter for a long time, Andrea, uh, was in town. You actually, I believe, met her at the uh, the mm -hmm. event last week. And she reminded me of something um, that I said a long time ago that I kind of forgotten about. It was like really, it was really nice of her to remember was one of the criticisms I had of Peralta back in the day um, and why I called him uh, Professor Chaos was because he's very closed in his mechanics. That is when Peralta is on the rubber, he's close to first base and then he steps towards home and he essentially has his, his left foot now landing on the third base side of the rubber, completely closed. And guys that have done that in the past are like Jake Arrieta, are like Adam Ottavino, Zach Godley. And if you remember from those, they can be very chaotic. They get into a rhythm, as we see like Jake Arrieta, what was it, 2016, when he had that ridiculous second half. But then they can fall out of it quickly. 
And that's because it can be really hard to, to get your timing right when throwing so close like that. It adds deception, makes you filthier, but it's at the cost often of consistency. And so what we just saw was Freddie Peralta in the first half of the year, yeah, not having that rhythm while still having a 94.5 mile per hour fastball, which is much better than last year, and then getting into a rhythm in the second half. What normally happens is the offseason comes and says, hey, you're out of rhythm now. You're not pitching every five days. You're not exactly replicating everything again. And we're going to see it again from Peralta. Not to mention there was shoulder problems in 2021, or rather 2022 for Peralta that had us scared entering this year. I'm glad he's been all right. But there is still that massive injury haze, I think, for Peralta. And you throw those two things in there, I think that Bueller is just going to be more consistent, more productive. And that's why I have him one spot higher. I hear all that. I mean, I think, you know, you mentioned it. We don't have to get into the nitty gritty of it. Peralta was arguably the best starting pitcher in baseball. Amazing. For the second half of the year. So um, cool. And, you know, flashes that ability that we all know is in there. Um, right. I think what's interesting is in, in adding to that chaos, you know, we it wasn't too long ago that he was a reliever who really had two pitches. Um, And he differentiated his breaking ball, right? He turned it from essentially it was just a curveball into a slider and a curveball and the four seam fastball. And then he's ramped up the change up usage over the years. Um, But that was worse for him in a lot of ways this year than it was last year, um, even though he's throwing it more. So I I do I do hear that. I mean, he's kind he's kind of like a he's still. He's a fast, a four seam fastball pitcher with variations of what had once been the same breaking ball. Um, and I do think that like he's creating more differentiation over the years. Um, but again, like his stuff was better last year from it, from the underlying oh, yeah. metric standpoint, the stuff was yeah. better. Um, so even though these results are great, I think you can look at the second half of the year. I think you can look at it two ways is his results were really good and his stuff wasn't as good as we've seen it before or his stuff wasn't as good as we've seen it before. And so the results are probably a little bit like fluky. And it just depends if you're a glass, if you're an optimist or a pessimist, if you're a glass half full kind of person or, or not, um, you know, I, I guess I'd like to believe that we could maybe get that one season of Freddie Peralta that we're waiting for. I mean, he'll be, he'll be 28 next year. Um, it's not, Actually, he'll start the year at 27. So it's not like he's particularly old. Like we could see him hit that level. Um, right. But yeah, we're, we're, you're picking nits between these two guys. They're they're both, you're happy to have both of them on your roster. And you know me, I'm just nicking pits. Okay. Yeah. So, so, let's, uh, so that's the we're end. We're going to move of, on here. We're going to, yes, we're going to, we're, we're getting quick. We're making sure this is a nice, succinct 11 through 20 today. We want to give you a lot of information in a short amount of time. And uh, that ended that ended the tier that began with starting pitcher number six. So Nick's sec, uh, third tier starts with his starting pitcher 14, which was the pitcher he's been hinting at so far this whole time who he drafted in the mock, which is who? That would be Grayson Rodriguez. And I know, I, I think I drafted him like an hour after he did his five <laughs> earned runs or whatever against Rangers. Uh, but yeah, this is the common theme here is, um, and speaking of themes, we need a tier, by the way, we need a tier theme, uh, cause we're entering yeah, well, tier three here. Yeah. We got to start tier. you, you t- will, I'll think of something you mention, talk. Right. There we go. Uh, Grayson Rodriguez is one of those guys that, what do you know? An amazing, amazing four seamer. 
And it's about the secondaries really complementing it. But here's the thing. I think Grayson Rodriguez has already a solid foundation with those secondaries. Um, with a changeup that's gotten better as well as two breaking balls. Really the slider more so. That uh, I think in the second half he got a lot more consistent at locating down and under the zone. And it, it's it's works. It just simply just works. Uh, I think Grayson over time just gets better at this. Uh, and... Uh, looking at all of the young arms from 2023, I kind of settled on Grayson because it's just, yeah, that 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 is an amazing force. I mean, we know that, but also he's more polished right now with his secondaries. Like if we get exactly what we just saw in that second half again, which we could, but I honestly think it's just going to be better. Even that would be fine for me. Then, of course, you throw in the fact that the Orioles are a great team to pitch for right now. So... It all, all comes together where I think Grayson Rodriguez is just going to go every five days and be a potential 180-plus uh, inning guy next year, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, you're certainly banking a little bit on um, the growth that we can project based on what we've seen, but it's going to be stuff we haven't seen. Um, from July 1st on in 76 and two-thirds innings, he had a 258 ERA. Um and, you know, it was a 370 XFIP, 388 Sierra. He still only had a 24% strikeout rate over that time. So it wasn't, you know, a glowing second half. But as Nick mentioned, you're you're looking for, okay, he made adjustments. He succeeded with surface level stats against major league hitters. And we know based on watching him pitch, based on his minor league track record, based on all of that, that there is a lot of skills there. So he's made adjustments and found success. Is it possible that that he makes an, more adjustments, takes more steps forward, and then we see the strikeout rate go up? We see the continued you know success of the ratios. I think all of that is inherently possible. Um, I do have him just outside of my top twenty right now. Oh, um, oh, I know. I have hurts. Him, I have him exactly twenty one. Oh, um, and What's I. Yeah, and and we'll see. I mean, I, I think you know. To your point, it's how comfortable are you on betting on something that we haven't yet seen? Betting on something that's in there, and well, I just think I, there are, there yeah. are guys who I have ranked ahead of him, who I still think are are young and have upside. Um, that I've seen that level from them. I've seen them so do the thing it, that I want him to do. And then so I also have Logan Webb ranked this, ahead though. of him because, you know, ratios and in innings. Right. Um, I, I did this because I think Grayson, what we've seen, I mean, what we've seen in the second half, completely different than what we saw in the first. Like mm-hmm. who Grayson Rodriguez is, is absolutely the guy in the second half, not the first. Uh, so many reasons why he wasn't working on the first one. There's a lot of mental, uh, just, okay, here I am, I have to do this, whatever. Also, not as much time removed from the injury last year, too, I would think. And there he is. He went to the minors, got himself settled in, had a debut return against the Dodgers, was pumping like 100. It was so cool. Yeah. Um, he was ready, ready to go and just completely carried that, right? Um, he actually didn't have, uh, in his final 10 games on a single game, was under a 5 PLV. Like, he was above average every game after that, as far as the quality of his pitches, which is amazing. Um, you don't really see that too much. And so the, to me, when it comes to Grayson, he actually has a more consistent floor than the other ones I was debating with mm-hmm. um, inside of this third tier. And we'll get to a lot of them. Uh, but I actually think that when it comes to command approach and just overall stuff, like he has that package 
in a way that I don't feel it's as risky as a couple others we're going to talk about soon. Yeah. Um, which and is I, why I'm looking, I elevated Grayson. I'm looking a little more under the hood as you're talking and seeing like, you know, him basically getting rid of the cutter in the second half of the year was important for him because it was terrible early on. <laughs> um, obviously, the fastball velo jumped. Um, he came back throwing the changeup a little more and a little harder and the changeup performed really well in the second half of the year. Um, you know, huge jump in swinging strike rate from 12.4% to 13.9% in the second half of the year. Um, the defense independent ERA went from 7.02 in the first half to 2.48 in the second half. Um, so yeah, I think we're, I might be, this is like that recency bias thing, right? Like I could have easily seen, he was on the fringe of my top 20 and I watched that playoff start and I was like, mm, maybe not. And and I think that that's, <laughs> well, that's one of those things that you, that we have to avoid, but it, oh, it's, sure. it happens to it all did, of us. It did expose, I was going to play devil's advocate here. It did expose one element that I, that is the flaw of Grayson Rodriguez. And I'm going to tell you what that is after this break. When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat. But Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat, and that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. So the biggest pushback I, I understand about Grayson Rodriguez is actually is the four-seamer, even though I really like it. I think it's coming in hard. He's putting it mostly in the good locations. However, there are times that he makes mistakes with it and he gets punished with it. His ICR, that is the ideal contact rate of batters, when they do put it in play, is 46%. Not good. That is below average. It was really bad in the first half. But I'm just talking about this stretch of him returning um, starting on July 22nd. So after that first one against the Dodgers. That's not ideal, and that could be the thing that I'm overlooking here with Grayson Rodriguez. I'm saying, hey, he has this amazing four-seamer. Actually, maybe not as good as Nick is thinking that it is. I imagine this gets better the more he utilizes those change-ups and sliders. Uh, it makes it so guys can't just sit heater as much. Um, and I do think the qualities of Grayson Rodriguez, especially his VAA, which is great, um, is just going to help him in the long haul here. And I don't think that he's going to maintain this poor quality of contact on his four-seamer. Yeah. And again, we're still both thinking of him as a top 15, 20, whatever, 14, 20 yeah. arm. Tier so three guy. He, yeah, he's still a guy that you're that you're happy to have on your roster. Since this is tier three, I want you to name this tier mm. your favorite trio. Any kind of trio. Man, so the first one I can think of, um, I guess, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Cream. Oh, the band. Yeah. And it's smooth. This is this is where I want to live. I, this tier, I think, when it comes to drafts, I say it every year. Hey, don't go for the first tier, second tier, whatever. You're, 
you know, there are too many good hitters to go for. Really, there are so many good hitters to go for, um, which is really nice, honestly, for me. Because oftentimes it gets to be like the fourth, fifth round. I'm like, oh, gosh, I don't really like these bats, but I don't really want to go for them. I'm like, no, these are all so great. This is awesome. Um, and I actually did feel like the drop off was coming around the sixth round. But we're going to talk about that mock draft stuff later. Uh, but yeah, you can feast on a ton of these guys uh, in the teens and 20s, I think, this season. Uh, there are so many massive impact pitchers. Uh, and uh, I'm excited to talk all about them here. Yeah, we're going to talk about um, I also I saw Eric Clapton at Madison Square Garden. And oh, yeah. even though his concerts right now are like or it was just two years ago, he just like sits in a chair and plays guitar. But I don't oh, yeah, care. Okay. It's still yeah, great right, watching matter. him play guitar. I mean, I it saw Zach LaRocca do that. He yeah. was sitting down and sing because he broke his or he tore his Achilles and it was the, be- the best concert ever. Yeah, it, just great music is great music. Um, we're going to do 15 separate and then I'm going to lump 16 and 17 as part of that young potential ace yeah, tier. Sure. But I want to talk well, to you about 15 yeah. um, independently. Uh, and I want you to explain why you were so bought in on uh, this this pitcher who didn't pitch a full year coming off an injury and why you believe that this year's partial season is like the level that we're going to get. I mean, it's insane. Well, if it's, this is the level, then he's top five. Um, But I, but I actually kind of group in Tarek Skubal with the others. I know it sounds kind of like a cop out, but when you really think about the skill set and what we're asking, sure. um, and, And also the sample, right? Uh, it does kind of fit with the mold with them. Yeah, I think um, you have the added injury element, though, of like, well, first of all, you have the age. At 26, he's a little bit older than those other guys. And, you know, we had a, an injury at the end of the year to one of the guys we'll mention later, but nothing like what Scuba went through, which involved right. like actual kind of like rehab and, you know, building himself back up. Um, he's only thrown, he's never thrown under a hit 150. He's never thrown over 150 <laughs> innings at the major league level mm-hmm. was 117 last year and 80 this year coming off the injury. Um, but you know, this year Scooble had a massive bump in Velo, which really helped that four seam, which underperformed last ticks. year. So I guess are, are you, are you buying in on the velocity bump? And do you think that his value is tied to that being remaining next year? Sure. I mean, I first of all, yeah, I do think that I'm grading him this well because I believe that four seamer is just insanely good now. Which is kind of interesting because its locations weren't as good uh, as you went on in the year. Like I was unbelievably blown away. 96, 97, top of the zone, four seamers from Scooble. Right when he came back, I mean, the first month was just absolute bliss with that. And then the question was, okay, are you going to be doing things with your secondaries to complement this? Tarek Skubel, among the top 200 starting pitchers in batter's face face this year. That's how we do qualified, by the way, guys. We don't do qualified based on innings and everything. That's what matters for fantasy, we felt. 99th percentile in swing strike rate on his changeup. He had a 29% swing strike rate on his changeup. And he said, well, that's not going to sustain itself. Well, then he realized it was a 26% in 2022. This is an insane pitch. He had the 100th percentile CSW at 41%. So I actually do believe that the changeup is going to be a major secondary for Scooble. This could maybe not. I can understand it not. But being above a 20% swing strike rate, being above a 60% strike rate, being a 40% plus O swing, yeah, that seems pretty believable at the moment. The other question then becomes, okay, how good is the slider going to be? 
And I wasn't actually that impressed by Scoobo yeah. Slider. Uh, this was only a 12% swing strike rate this year, 26% CSW. There were times, there were games that I actually saw Scoobo really pull off the Blake Snell blueprint of going up and in with four seamers to right-handers, which, by the way, my favorite thing for, my favorite skill to see from a southpaw, right? Up and in four seamers to right-handers. If you can do that consistently, Max Freed does that. Cole Reagans does that. Uh, it's it's a lovely thing. And Scooble does that. Sometimes get that slider inside the zone. Has that change up down and away to them. But he also does use a sinker that I feel like should kind of go away. Um, I hope he starts using it at least to left-handers inside. And then there's this curveball that is this huge, 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 huge hook that he hasn't been able to find for a strike this year. But back in the day, I remember watching video of him and Scooble's curveball was the thing that made me fall for him. Um, put that all together, you have a four-seamer that just gets all the strikes. Uh, I mean, seriously, this was 99th percentile in strike rate at 76%. And it didn't get hit. <laughs> I mean, that that's crazy to me, right? You have a 98th percentile X average on that pitch. You have an ICR percentage that is 91st percentile, 35%, not the 45 that we talked about with Grayson Rodriguez. The changeup that misses all the bats and a slider that I think that gets better. So that's awesome. Uh, you also hear about the, the 250 to 300 inning Tommy John honeymoon that generally happens. So when it comes to health, I'm actually not that concerned for Scoobal next year, especially after doing this for 80 innings and not having any sort of health question, having that extra velocity. Um, yeah, I think Scoobal's bound for a big year. And see, I'm okay with him having dialed back on the curveball usage. Um, I know that like visually when you watch the curveball, oh, I, oh, um, you know, yeah. you're like, oh, this is this pitch is filthy. And it seems like he can never control it. He, yeah, you um, can. And I know Strike like if you down on that, just 51% yeah. this year. And if you look at um, you know, you were talking about the strike percentage, the zone rate, like all that stuff on the on the curveball over the years, it's been poor. Yeah. Um, and so him leaning into the changeup more intrigues me. Um, because I do think he has better command of that pitch. The slider, a lot of the underlying metrics suggest the slider was was worse this year than it was last year. But again, when it doesn't have to do as much of the heavy lifting, now it's his third pitch instead of his second mm-hmm. pitch. Or, you know, I mean, in terms of the kind of like the, Im- the impact of the pitch or the skill of the pitch, to me, it doesn't have to do as much heavy lifting, which makes me feel a little better about his complete arsenal. I always felt like watching him, he was somebody whose raw stuff was good and I didn't trust that he was going to find the location from start to start. Um, right. And so I feel a little better about him. I will say I have him in my top 20 as well. Um, I currently have him 17. Um, and Wait, I mean, This is so funny to me. I love this. Because I, like we both did this from scratch, right? Yeah. I did not. I, I, I didn't look at any <laughs> rankings, nothing for me. Uh, and I love the fact that we're just like, yeah, this is, we're going to have a lot. And I, this was a thing for me of like, how do you look at what he did in the second half and not put him right in the top 20, but also with it being like, such a good fastball and having such a good changeup. I will say about the, the slider too. I, uh, he got its location down a lot more 62% yeah. low location as opposed to 50% before. As you were mentioning, it's probably because the changeup could be the more of the strike pitch, and that means that the slider doesn't have to be it. He didn't get the O-swing, though. It was 30% O-swing down to 27. So that's the element to me that I need to see for for Scooble to be more consistent, I think, 
next year. Obviously, if he does the same results, then great. But for it to be more believable, it is that slider getting those whiffs down and in um, as they should. I think they can get there. I absolutely do, especially when he has that four-seamer pairing with it. Um, but yeah, that at least that intent is there. Yeah, and I also love that he throws his changeup 70% of the time early in the count where mm. hitters are mostly sitting on like fastballs. Um, I do think that, that the way he mixes his pitches is, is great. Um, I do have him one spot behind um, one of the next two names I want to uh, <laughs> I was about to say, is in the same order? Right, uh, like these not. are all so the I same have, guys. Like this yes. order, I, I really want to emphasize this. If you guys want to go Grayson Rodriguez or Tarek Skubal, or I mean the next two, I don't mind spoiling my order here of sure. Bobby Miller and Yuri Perez. Yuri Perez. Choose whoever you want, right? It, it, it's I put out a tweet today. I was like, hey, look, there's another guy who has a really good fastball and the secondaries that we hope develop enough to support it. Like that could apply to so many different young pitchers. Mm-hmm. Take the one that you want. Um, the reason I have Bobby Miller third here in in front of Yuri, but not ahead of Grayson, it's actually pretty simple. Bobby doesn't get a ton of whiffs on four seamers and sinkers. He doesn't have the same carry up in the zone that the other guys do. And for Bobby Miller to be the guy I want him to be, he needs to get slider whiffs. And he hasn't quite unlocked it yet. He's had moments of it. He looks close to getting there. He hasn't quite developed that. And I don't know how much I believe in his overall command. I did initially. The first couple starts, I thought, oh, yeah, no, Bobby Miller looks to me almost like a Sandy Alcantara type of a four-seamer and sinker that's going to jam guys, get quick outs. Then you have a curveball and a slider. They're going to get lots of whiffs. Curveballs become the strike pitch. That's great. But Bobby Miller, to me, isn't a finished product yet. Um, 23.5% strikeout rate because of that lack of slider whiffs, because of the lack of four-seamer whiffs. And uh, I I found myself not anticipating six innings from Bobby Miller a lot, mm-hmm. um, which is really annoying, too. So that's all to say that, look, he's going to be 25 next year. It's, it's going to be a second year. He could absolutely develop into being just a top five starter 100% but without those four seamer and sinker whiffs it's going to be a little bit harder and going to ask more out of that slider which is why he's beneath Tarek and Grayson yeah I, I I mean it's again we talk about the idea of picking nits here like I have Yuri Perez 16 I have Bobby Miller 19 I have Tarek Skubal 17 I mean they're all within the same range it's a little bit about your your comfort level and I would be lying if I didn't say that like Part of my comfort in Yuri Perez is I I tr- really trust the organization that he's in. Like I, if you're suggesting who whose organization do I trust to to create an offseason plan to you know really kind of develop the skill set we want to see, well, I, I really trust that from the Marlins. Like they they have yeah. consistently done it. I'm now also kind of trusting it from the Twins because of what has happened recently too. Well, yeah, that's like, kind of weird though because the Twins. It wasn't the twins. It was driveline. <laughs> true. Yes. Driveline. And, and, yes, Pablo true. and for Joe Ryan, you know, and Joe Ryan. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and, and that, and that's a good, I mean, those are things you, you keep in mind as we go on. I mean, listen, driveline is all over your Twitter feed, like letting you know when people are there. I mean, I just saw like a Richie Palacios hype video when they're working on his swing. <laughs> so like, you'll know what pitchers are going to driveline. And those are things to, you know, to wait, keep an eye on. Um, wait, didn't Richie go to Berkeley Carroll? 
Yeah, maybe I, feel, I think you should did. know this. That's your school. I know, I know. I think like he's he's like one of the. I mean, this was years I, after us, by the way. Guys. I do this like a decade later. I do know that they are from Brooklyn. Went to he went to the Brooklyn Carroll School. There he you did. go. Look at he's that. 20, so where's the guy that was the old. Packer? Where's the where's the uh... <laughs> didn't have it? <laughs> None? Zero? <laughs> I'm just messing with you. All right. Uh, probably in some I'm the lion. He's, he's the probably in he's some hedge fund somewhere. Is schools, is, guys. Is what he's doing. Our rival high schools growing um, up. Yeah, but I, I will just say, like, for for me, um, I, between the two, between Yuri Perez and um, Bobby Miller, I, I just, I believe in the strikeout upside for Perez a little bit more. Um, mm. And so I think that that's what, what gets me to Perez over Bobby Miller is with the slider and the curveball. Um, you know, like he again, we're talking small samples here. Yuri Perez wasn't up for for an, you know a really extended period of time, but slider twenty three point seven percent swing strike rate, curveball twenty three point three, changeup sixteen percent swing strike rate. You know, those three pitches are all better have a higher swing and strike th- strike rate than all but one of Bobby Miller's which is yeah. his changeup. Oh yeah. Um and uh, so I like Bobby Miller. Um I believe in, you know, and I believe in the Dodgers as a strong organization. I just believe in the upside of uh Yuri Perez a touch more. Yeah. So I have I have a couple questions for you. Mm-hmm. Who's going to get more wins next year? Bobby Miller. Bobby Miller. Who's going to get more innings next year? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I would need to. I'm going to say it's Bobby off the top Miller. of my head. I would say Bobby Miller. Um, but 91 I need to innings look, this so, past year for Yuri and 124 for Bobby. Yeah, um, this is the only 24, but four, been... 14 in the minors for Bobby Miller. So 138, and Yuri Perez was 127. Right between the minors and the okay. and the majors. So, so you can maybe so even say, say that pretty, the Dodgers I would might say, actually oversee it a little bit more. Right. You could also say that Yuri is going to be twenty one next. Let's call year, that even. More. Yeah. Okay. Let's call that even. I'm I'm probably going to favor Bobby just a little bit more just because of the youth of. But you might Yuri. be looking at like two more starts from Bobby Miller, which yeah, isn't nothing. Fair enough. That's just fine. But, yeah. Um. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, for me, it was that I uh, Yuri. I, th- I I agree that like the fastball, I think, has more potential. Absolutely. Even though it had a low swing strike rate this past year, Yuri Perez's fastball was a, I believe, what was it, 97th percentile PLV um, at 542, which is so un- absurdly good. Also, it was super high O swing at 33% despite only a 10% swing strike rate on that pitch. Um, and I, I do really think that that can get better for Yuri as he goes on. Uh, and yeah, that slider, 24% swing strike rate is great, 23% on the curveball. But just a fifty-six percent strike rate on the on the curveball, and just a sixty-two on the slider, um, and I feel that there is still some extra polish needed for for Yuri. The ceiling, you're not wrong. I can see that jumping quicker. I think the floor is a little safer with Bobby. I think the overall four pitch mix that he has is going to throw more strikes. I think the defense is going to help him more. I think the offense is going to help him more. I think I think he's going to get more wins as we both have kind of agreed on with Perez. Mm-hmm. And because I'm slightly leaning more uh, innings, it does make the gap of strikeout potential a little bit smaller. Not to mention anything you want to talk about the Yuri Perez ceiling. Bobby Miller, sure, 23% strikeout this past year. If that slider does what it's supposed to do, 
And I'm not just kind of pulling this out of nowhere that he, he can be so good with this. A 91st percentile PLV slider, this pitch. Looking at, even at, this, at its strike zone plots, we've seen this before. We saw this with George Kirby, actually a really good example, where it's a slider that isn't chaotic. And what I mean by that is you're not just looking at a shotgun spray of the strike zone plot, like Tristan McKenzie's slider or Gavin Williams, right? You're seeing a slider that is getting tugged a little too far glove side. And to me, that's an adjustment you can make. That's the kind of adjustment that all of a sudden, okay, cool, you know, I need to get a little bit closer back to the zone to get a little bit more believable. And all of a sudden, this pitch that is being used 46% of the time in two strike counts, but currently has an only 18% put away rate, which is low, by the way, that's 43rd percentile. Mm -hmm. That pitch can all of a sudden be like a 23%, 24% put away rate, essentially saying those two strike sliders that he's tugging too far then become actual legitimate ones and that strikeout rate can go up the, to the roof super quickly, right? Um, so I, 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 don't, I do want to push back a little that Yuri Perez defiantly has the better strikeout total at the end of the year. It does look like it at net right now. Bobby Miller can get a lot more out of the slider than he has right now. Uh, very strong, very strong arguments. Uh, and considering I have Bobby Miller in a keeper league, uh, I <laughs> like I like hearing those arguments. Um, we're going to hear arguments for Nick's final three right after this break. All right. So we already mentioned the, your next guy who's your starting pitcher 18 mm. um, was on a team that we were just talking about before. So who is your starting pitcher 18? This is probably a shock. I think this is actually one of my uh, my few true shocking rankings. I don't think you have him in your top 20. <laughs> you do. Um I do. Oh my gosh. Uh, actually, I have him at 20. That's so um, funny. And I, it's might... funny. I actually originally had Joe Ryan at 23. And yeah. then I kept pushing him up because it came down to one element, one silly, silly thought that I couldn't get out of my head, Eric. He has an elite four seamer that was 97th percentile in swing strike rate and also super well commanded. Like, this is one of the premier four seamers. And what's his problem? He has a he has no secondary pitch. Like it, it's just the slider is not good. The splitter is not good. Okay, it, it got enough strikes, I guess, to survive, but it, it's not a good pitch in my view. Um, and the thing is, he goes to drive line. What, is, what does Joe Ryan do now? Joe Ryan has the, this amazing four seamer. You think that he can't figure something else out this offseason to uh, it, a cutter? A, a better version of the slider. This is what he's doing for five months now. <laughs> Working with these guys to figure out something else to do that isn't the splitter and Aaron uh, and slider you just had. So to me, that five uh, four five one ERA uh, that we just saw from Joe Ryan, nah, that's not going to be the thing. He just had a 5% walk rate, by the way, with 29% K rate. The whip's going to get better. The ERA is going to get better. He has a foundation of that four-seamer. And it, it's like, look at Brandon Woodruff. Like, he never really had that amazing secondary thing. Sure, eventually the changeup showed up. Same thing with Zach Wheeler. Like, slider and, and curve and whatever just never really was that good. He doesn't need, like, Yuri Perez's slider. He just needs something solid to throw in the zone constantly. It's not the splitter. He's going to yeah. find it. So why I ranked him that high was I thought the splitter was really good in the first half of the year. Um the results of the pitch were really solid. All the underlying metrics for it were, were solid. So I think, as you mentioned, as somebody who does go to driveline and tinker with what with what he has, like there's still there are things to build off of 
from him. It's not like he has nothing and he's trying to build, you know, a rotation or a, sorry, repertoire from, from scratch. I did like the, the slide or the splitter, 13% swing strike rate, 0.86 defense independent ERA, 3% barrel rate allowed in the first half. Like these are all things early on that, that worked. Uh, the other reason why I had him in my top 20 is from July 1st on Joe Ryan had a six, 0.09 ERA. Over that span, Joe Ryan was also the was sixth in all of baseball with a 25.3% strikeout minus walk ratio. He had a 336 Sierra over that time period. And he was also rocking a good old 370 Babbitt. Um, and so I don't think that that's all bad luck, right? That's not what we're saying. We're, we are saying that the skills fell off a little bit in the second half, but even with declining skills, he was missing so many bats. Um, and there was a lot of just the baseline skills that were saying this should be better. And so right. we're not talking about somebody who was giving you garbage with nothing to suggest that there's a foundation to build on and we're just going to automatically assume he's going to build on it. No, this is a guy who who flashed and who had underlying skills who I think can build off those underlying skills. Yep. I mean that that, that was well said, Eric. I uh, I yeah, it's he's got to be better better than this. I mean sure, I, I will say that I uh, Joe Ryan did get beat up by those secondaries, right? There were um yes. I mean, that's that just, I remember watching some of those games and it was just like, oh man, he really just cannot find something else to turn to here. Um, and it's, it was painful. Like he just needs a cutter to throw for strikes. Like you need a 65% strike rate cutter. Get, get Joe Musgroves or something, whatever. Get him on the phone. Um, it doesn't need to be the most insane thing ever. Nathan Evaldi's like, that's what Evaldi kind of did. Um, and Evaldi did not, has never had the fastball as good as Joe Ryan's. Everybody also like, how does Joe Ryan do this at what 92 on his fastball or so? It's just a wonderful, uh, I believe it's a VAA uh, that works super well for him. I don't know. It doesn't matter. He kills it. He executes it all the time. Don't think about it. That, I mean, that, that's one of the things I do suggest for a lot of people too, is uh, in general, the results kind of are most important when it comes to understanding if a pitch is good or not. There are times that we can grasp, oh, hey, this pitch could be better if it has a different approach or so based on the shape of it or if he's able to command it more. But if a guy is executing a pitch and he has X results with it consistently over time, it doesn't honestly matter what the VAA is. It doesn't matter what the induced vertical break is. You know that this is a pitch that does that. Um, and Joe Ryan at this point has earned that. Now there are other guys that let's say cool eight starts or so. Yeah. I want to know what the actual things are. So we get a better understanding moving forward. Um, but, uh, it's, yeah, we know that this is a very good fastball and it misses bats and that's a great thing. So yeah, Joe Ryan. Wow. Look at us, huh? Top 20 yeah. Joe Ryan. And listen, oh, boy. It, in, in some way it, it blends in with the young potential aces in the sense of like, right. It's the same are, kind of idea to me. Yeah. You are, you're ranking based on growth that you're expecting that right. maybe we, you know, we're, we saw a flash of, but we haven't seen it. Um, See, the variable to me isn't their age. The available to me is like, oh, cool, you have a certain skill and now you have opportunity to be better at that skill when you're not at a time in your career where you get worse instead of better. Yes. Um, speaking of growth, <laughs> uh, I'm going to give you some runway here 
to talk about the second half explosion that has led to your starting pitch number 19. Yeah, it's Cole Reagans. I didn't know where to put him. This is really difficult because you guys know that Cole Reagans deserved every ounce of success that he got. Um, He's a unicorn when he's on, which is five pitches that are all exceptional. He can throw it any time and exactly where he wants to. He's also a pitcher that you're going to see the 10.5% walk rate. So many people are going to push back against that. Um, Two comments to that. One, there were some games that really just uh, messed up that walk rate. But also, he's a pitcher who does not give in. uh, And I adore him for it. He's one who loves 3-2 change-ups, for example, out of the zone right underneath the strike zone. And because of that, I do generally believe in guys like Cole Reagans more than those that just kind of throw over the plate. And yeah, you get burned by it. And then all of a sudden you're in a jam now. So I love what he does. There are five problems. Okay. And I'm going to play devil's advocate because I need to address all five of these as like reasons why Cole Reagans may not be very good next year. Uh, One, it's a very small sample. So we don't actually know if that command that he showcased is actually going to be around next year. Now, I want to mention... I liked his command where it was at in 2022. He even talked about, oh, hey, he's really close to, he wasn't chaotic. He had the right approach. He just didn't quite nail it. And then he got better at it last year. Still, it could be something that falls off. We also did see times when he lost his command. That game against the Tigers, even though he was good before the Royals left him in too long, he was not at his peak self there. We saw it. Same against the Cardinals. He was close, but it wasn't quite it. Second thing, speaking of the Royals, it's the Royals, Okay. The Royals, pitching for the Royals is a bad thing to do for so many reasons. One, I don't really love that offense. Maybe it's better with Pascantino back next year, but I don't feel like the win chance is that great. The defense is not good behind him. Uh, the management leaves him in too long. Multiple times we've seen the careful Icarus happen to, to Reagans when we know he should get pulled and he gets two extra batters, does not go well, and all of a sudden everything's worse. There's also the element four of the development of the Royals is not one to speak highly of. We've seen this for years that they are not guiding guys well. Cole Reagans did well because it's Tread Athletics that he worked with who really developed everything that you know. The Royals did not develop the slider. Reagans developed it with Tread Athletics because he needed a way to nullify lefties that in the minors. And all of a sudden, oh, cool, here's an amazing slider. Okay, third thing, injury history. You're going to hear about two Tommy Johns for Cole Reagans. It's not quite true because he got one Tommy John and then it wasn't done correctly, so they had to redo it. Um, that wasn't him having a healthy one. Everything's fine. And then getting hurt again. Yes, two surgeries. If that's the reason why you're hesitant about that. Sure, because it is going to the bone twice. That's fair. But generally when you hear about two Tommy Johns, it's an indication of his overall injury proneness. And I don't really feel that that's the case with Cole Reagans. Want to put that out there. Oh, by the way, did I mention any pitches for the Royals? Because that stinks. Um, so, and the last thing is, of course, I don't know if the velocity is going to be back. He jumped it up to 96. Um, and uh, actually 96, 97, it was thrown 99 at times by the end. Sometimes we see guys do that with those opportunities, and then it falls down to, say, 95. I think that Reagan's can be good there. Um, he was good at 94 even, as long as it's not 92. But yeah, it might not be the same explosiveness there. So on the plus side, I mean, the guy just is insane. <laughs> like, it's so fun watching him pitch. He is just everything I want to be in MLB The Show, and uh, I'm just excited to watch him go. Yeah, 19 fell about right. Yeah, I, I will say just I'm not going to add to your analysis because that's tremendous analysis and he's he is your boy. Um, just for people to understand too, like he was a top 100 prospect um, prior to the surgeries. 
He's a former first round pick uh, in 2022 before getting called up briefly with the Rangers. He was, he was good in double a and triple a like this is, this is, this guy didn't come out of nowhere, right? Like there is a track record of success and there's a track record of belief in him as a pitching prospect. Um, and obviously the, the surgeries set him back in terms of his development timeline. He's still only 25 years old. So it's not like, you know, this gem has been unearthed from nowhere. Um, he's somebody who people were in on for a while, so it's not crazy to see this happening. And I will say, as I was looking back at his Fangraphs page, a little hat tip to your uh, your page? fireside your fireside chat uh, co-host, who on March 24th wrote about Cole Reagans as uh, as one of his breakout pitchers for 2023. Um, Paul that. Sporer. He did mention it was a strictly deep league only, maybe like draft and hold. Um, but yeah. Um, great. I don't, I don't know who else wrote about him in, in March. So kudos to Paul. That's awesome. Um, we're going to wrap up with your SP 20 and my SP 15. Oh man, you're, that's aggressive. It is. That, that um, is aggressive. I am. If, if I'm a crazy person. In even year stuff with Nola. I mean, I get it. Cause I, like <laughs> that's always been the joke, right? Is yeah. that every other year Nola is the greatest thing ever. I mean, we're going back to 2018 here, 237 right then 387. Then 328, then 463, then 325, then now 446, right? Um, okay, so on one hand, you have 200 strikeouts again. Like, Nola is an absurdly good strikeout provider. He has been insanely uh, consistent when it comes to starts per year. I mean, he's thrown max out starts since 2018. Do you realize that? Maxed out 12 in 2020 is why I'm saying it like that. Otherwise, at least 32, which is crazy. It was 12 starts for everybody, by the way, in 2020. Um, 13 maybe for like one guy. I can't remember who. And that that's that's wild to me. It was still a 115 whip. So that's why you're in my top 22. Like if you get rid of the ERA portion of this, he's amazing. 12, got 12 wins. You got 100, uh, 115 whip and 200 strikeouts. Like you're super happy with that. It's just a 446 ERA. So why the heck is he allowing all these earned runs? Well, I think one of the bigger issues I've had about Nola in my day has been that the changeup isn't as good as it used to be. It hasn't been for two years. Uh, the swing strike rates on that dropped from about 19%, 16%, and now 15% this past year has not been a reliable offering. I loved how he pulled it out against Atlanta. That was a really cool thing. I feel like that is the trump card for Atlanta is changeup focused pitchers. Just saying, that's what Ranger Suarez did. Okay. Um, now, you also have this sinker. This sinker to me is weird. I have been shouting from everywhere we that watched Aaron it, Nola... We watched it happen. Okay? Throw sinkers inside to right-handers. You have much better command than most guys. You are actually part of the reason why CSW exists. Okay? Because I want to give you benefit for getting tons of called strikes. You're not the biggest swing strike rate guy, but you get all of these called strikes and sinkers to right-handers. You've been making a living off of backdoor sinkers. I just checked right now against right-handers. This sinker has consistently been about a 30% called strike rate. However, he did a little bit this year start to do something different. He started to go inside with them more against right-handers 40% inside rate as opposed to the uh the outside rate of 58% last year only 16% inside rate last year right 
That's better. That needs to be not 36% outside rate. I'm sorry. Stop doing the call strikes away. Those get hit. I want to see that O swing go up. It's at 33% right now on that sinker. That's got to be like Zach Wheeler's 50. Okay. That to me would be a massive nullifier uh, for him. Meanwhile, his four-seamer against righties, it's all just away called strike stuff. What are you doing? Stop this. I know, 20% called strike rate. I get it. I understand. But this pitch had a 54% ICR rate against right-handers. You can't do that. You just can't. It's Guys are teeing off on this thing too often. And that's what drives me nuts about him, is I think he has the capability of actually doing four-seamers upstairs for whiffs, singers inside to jam guys. One of the best curveballs you will see around in the game. Uh, 100th percentile in O-swing. You see this all the time on curveballs from Aaron Nola. It's just the fastball's got to get tweaked a little bit. Guys are figuring it out. They're getting too much of the barrel on it. They have been for years. And I'm a little worried about it. And I see the potential growth being a little bit underneath what we have with the other guys. So that's why he's in my 20. Boom, a 15. Go ahead. Or... Or does he dial back on the four seam, start mm-hmm. using the sinkers inside and start relying more on the cutter away because Maybe. the cutter, I hope so. The cutter actually has flashed. I know he only threw it like 7% of the time this year, but it kind of is doing all the things we want it to be doing. Um, I mean, it's not, a, I'm, we're not talking about an elite pitch here. I'm I want to make that clear. Here. We're talking about, we're talking about a pitch that would help round out the arsenal and maybe keep people off his four seam a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in terms of just standalone, like 18.7% swinging strike rate on a cutter. That's great. Um, you know, you mentioned it's, I mean, he basically only throws it away. The glove side rate is, you know, ridiculously high. He's using it early in the count. Um, the, let's go back to, yeah, he's using it against, he's using that cutter, by the way, against lefties and righties glove side, which is what you want to see. O swing was 45% uh, to lefties with that cutter, which is great. Yeah. Super the, high cult strike rate on it as well. The I'm ICR, this. the ICR 35%, uh, which was 72nd percentile among, among starting pitchers, which again, we're not talking elite, but we're talking a good pitch that can help round out the arsenal. And we've seen a lot of pitchers who, when they lose velocity on the four seam or when they lose effectiveness on the four seam, you start to see them find ways to to differentiate their fastball approach. I think Noah, as a uh, as a sinker cutter pitcher with a changeup and a curve, is like, oh, that's interesting to me. And then I look at he's a free agent. Um, yeah. you might get a ballpark upgrade too, depending on where he goes. That's a good point. Defensive um, upgrade too. And you could get a you could definitely get a defensive upgrade regardless yeah. of where he goes. And maybe he goes to an organization that is looking at things like this and is saying, Hey, we can't rely on on this four seam. So I will say right now, like my my ranking of fifteen on Noah, it does hinge on where he winds up in the offseason. Sure. I don't think that there's anything crazy about that. Let's I think say it's that Baltimore. Um, I'm intrigued because we yeah. know that that pitch that that park plays more pitcher friendly now. Um, mm-hmm. I do like a lot of what they've been they've been doing with the development of some of their pitchers. You know, somebody who I kept thinking was going to make the top twenty based on his results was Kyle Bradish, who didn't. Um, but oh, I'm yeah, sure no, we'll be talking I'm not, about I'm him not soon. A fan of, of Bradish, um, sorry guys. And you know, 
I think what they got out of Bradish without him having an effective four seam fastball is intriguing because it, it to me it shows that they're able to as a as an organization they're able to develop a plan for a, a particular pitcher based on the pitcher's skill set. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I would be intrigued if Noah did that. Um, you know, I would be less intrigued if he goes to Boston. Um, it's not really a park upgrade. Um, you know, Boston fired their pitching coach today. So maybe that their development will change, but it's not, you know, super, uh, comforting as of right now. What if it's the Mets? Okay. Uh, uh, it's a park upgrade. Um, right. Probably a defense upgrade depends on what they do with the rest of the roster. So there's, there's a lot of things here. I think, you know, I don't think we've seen the last of effective Aaron Noah. We haven't seen the last of me. I mean, I, I think you are convincing me a bit also about the uh, the team change. Um, and I don't think I took that into consideration enough. I'm probably going to have him above Reagans now. Um, sorry, Reagans. Sorry, buddy. Uh, him versus Joe Ryan. Yeah, probably above Ryan, but not above Perez. So I'm going to yeah. probably put Nola at 18, uh, Ryan at 19, and Reagans at 20. Yes. Um, but that so, was a really good point about that. Uh, I mean, yeah, it, it's, I am very curious to see how uh, Nola shifts what he's doing. So I have, I have, it's kind of like a tier thing, right? Like I have Nola and Walker Bueller, 14, 15, and then I have Perez, Scooble, Rodriguez, Bobby Miller all afterwards. Yeah. And you can see like that differentiation in my head of like guys who Absolutely. I've seen do it and perform at this level when push comes to shove. Am I going to take them? Probably. But I will also say, like, I almost took Yuri Perez in our mock draft because I had Zach Wheeler. And in the eighth round, if Yuri Perez was getting back to me, I was going to take him over some of the guys that I have ranked ahead of him because I have a, a pitcher that I feel like is steady and consistent in Zach Wheeler. So I don't need an Aaron Noah. I don't need like a Logan Webb. I'm okay with rolling the dice on saying, okay, what if Scooble or Bobby Miller or Yuri Perez or one of those guys becomes a legitimate ace? Now my rotation is stacked. So I do think like, you know, that's why Nick does tiers and it is something to consider is like, yes, your rankings are important and you should put time into your rankings, but you should also realize that your rankings don't need to be super rigid depending on your team build, especially with your rotation. And I know I've heard you talk about this before too, but like you really do kind of need to look at it like an actual rotation. If I went super strikeout heavy early on, I don't need to go strikeout heavy with my starting pitcher four. If I have him ranked higher than a guy who's really strong ratios and won't get as many strikeouts, you have to find that balance between these guys. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah, man, I'm like going in my head about Aaron Nola back and forth about, yeah, there is a feeling about like, okay, at this point in my draft, yeah, I'm not expecting a 4 or 5 E, right? But at the same time, I can't, I just can't get out of my head that it's been two out of the last three seasons we have seen Aaron Nola have worse than a 4 4 E, right? Um, and I know that sounds silly because I understand the home run rate was so bad and these factors that go into it. And we still have amazing K minus walk rate and all of this and the whip was still good. Yada, 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 new team. It makes sense. It's just, it's, I guess there is a bias that I have of this of still like, yeah, I, I, am I really going to be believing that Nola is going to be safe the entire time through while I, you know, I do have this vision of those other guys 
at least having a a, a new exciting chance to not <laughs> be that, you know? Um, and I'm going to have to really sit down and think about this. Fortunately, this is coming out tomorrow morning, so I can't change anything I want with Nola. Um, but we uh, we got to get out of here. This is yeah. we're over an hour. We said it'd be underneath. Listen, oh, we're, oh, my fault. people, we are making incremental improvements. And I want you to know that we will, con- <laughs> we will continue to try and get better because that's important to us here. Um, so as Nick mentioned, uh, he will continue to tweet out a lot of uh, pitcher stuff. You can find him on Twitter, as you know, at pitcher list. You can find me on Twitter at Samsky NYC. Um, I will. I'm starting up some offseason uh, baseball content. So you're going to see a lot of starting pitcher stuff for me built around these conversations that Nick and I are having as well. Um, And we will catch you next time for starting pitchers 21 through 30. I am Eric Smolsky, the Pelican. I am Nick Pollock, the Lion. And we'll see you next time. got another day of NBA action. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every night a watch party only on FanDuel. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite.